Hello, you're listening to Common Ride with me, a podcast for fans, experts, and newcomers that knows all about Tokusatsu. I'm James Dorrington. You can call me Kip, and I'm your expert. This week, we look at the changing of the Pink Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 3. It's Morphin Time! Hello everyone, we are back for a, another Friday pod, and with me to talk about somebody who empowered us again is from Rangers Plane, it's Ashley. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right. How about yourself, Kip? Pretty good, you know? N- nothing to complain about. <laughs> That's great to hear, especially with like everything else going on outside. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot to complain about, but nothing that like, uh, <laughs> nothing I can succinctly get to exactly. in the time we have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So it's been um a lot of fun having lots of guests on f- these Power Rangers like uh like pods. But it's nice to have somebody from like a like Toku show on. It's been a minute for us, honestly. <laughs> like and like we've had like like lots of great guests, but still. Right. And um, you're from the Rangers Plane pod, yes. and uh, what's that podcast all about for our listeners? So uh, Rangers Plane is kind of similar to um to Common Ride with me, but we exclusively uh, cover Power Rangers. Well, not exclusively Power Rangers, mostly Power Rangers. Um, but basically, the whole concept of it started with me and my best friend, Jay. Um, so one thing I've known about, me and Jay have known each other for about half of our lives at this point. Like, <laughs> I met them when I was 15 and they were 18 on a Green Day message board. Um, and we didn't meet in person for a couple of years after that. Um, but you know, we've, we've been friends for a very long time. And one thing I've known about, uh, them for a while is that they're a big Power Rangers fan. Uh, Mm -hmm. except for me, I was, despite the fact that I was, you know, perfectly aged to be into Power Rangers when it was like the cultural zeitgeist, I was not allowed to watch it as a kid. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, and that's, it was always, that's always so weird. Like I've talked to my mom about it before and she's given me like two separate answers. Like, um, so I've never really been able to get a straight answer out of her, but like, she's very deeply amused that I do a Power Rangers podcast now. Um, but yeah, so about a couple, so about a couple of years ago, it was like late 2018. Um, Jay had been watching Power Rangers while we were living together and, um, they were very, they were specifically watching Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue, uh, which we okay, should be getting. good one. Yeah, yeah, we should be getting to that one on a, in a couple of months on our own podcast. Um, but they were very amused by the fact that I was just very perplexed by the, the Zord. Um, it was <laughs> specifically the Megazord, because the Megazord in Lightspeed Rescue has those ladder arms. And okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 for some reason, I just, I just irrationally hated the ladder arms. Um, and so Jay was very amused by that. And then I kind of accidentally started watching, uh, Dino Charge with them. And I really love Dino Charge. Mm-hmm. And so at some point we were just like, Hey, so what if we do a podcast where like, uh, where I, and, and uh, the I in this case is Jay, where I take you through Power Rangers. And so I kind of agreed because I think I thought it would just be a funny idea. And then, like, I found myself getting legitimately invested in Power Rangers. And, yeah, so far we are about, um, yeah, we're 
we've we've done the podcast for over a year now, be two years next January. And um we so far have gotten through most of the Saban era. We've finished up um this is the 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 Zordon era as it were. And um we like I said, we're gonna be starting in on um kind of that later end of the Zordon era that includes um uh Lightspeed Rescue, like Jungle Fury, mm-hmm. uh time. Yeah, Time Force is right. Yeah, yeah, Time Force. So, um, so yeah, we're going to be starting in on that later era of the Zordon era and should be finished, not Zordon era, the, the first Saban era and finishing it up like uh, later this year or early next year. And you mentioned uh, before we started, though, that um, you actually had a very strong connection to um, Kimberly. Can you tell me what your feelings are about her? So, like, a big thing about the podcast is Jay's coming in with a lot of nostalgia and I have basically none. Um just because I, since I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid and all of that, like I'm coming in from a real um, kind of fresh perspective of somebody who, you know, is in their, you know, late 20s, now thir- early 30s, watching this for the first time and, you know, kind of like being like, what, what is this? This is not really quite, you know, because Power Rangers fandom especially upholds like Mighty Morphin and all that. And so like especially kind of getting through Mighty Morphin was a little bit rough. Um, but I really gravitated towards Kimberly, uh, just cause I thought she was kind of the most developed character on the show, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, there's a reason that like one of the few people who went on to actually like act was Amy Jo Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Um, cause I, yeah, just Amy Jo Johnson just brought a certain kind of brightness to the role and Kimberly was kind of that character, like, even though like they're... Power Rangers is not particularly great in terms of character development. Um, no. But she really added some, like, what just, just weight to the role that kind of made her feel like a whole person besides just being, like, you know, girl. Or, in, uh, in yeah. poor Trini's case, Asian girl. Um, <laughs> Though, like, that, like, original, like, set, like, especially, like, that first five mm-hmm. for just being, like, pretty stunt people mm-hmm. in, like, very clear archetypes and like colors yeah they actually do do a lot to kind of like still feel like weighty like and like especially in like um sometimes billy but like a lot of like kimberly and like um it's like a really interesting how they manage that because like i've um like been comparing power rangers to um like star trek a lot where like um i'm not sure if you've um heard but like in um in star trek the next generation like a lot of the writers were like at odds with the creator like gene roddenberry Mm -hmm. because they were told that like they couldn't have plots that had that had any any um interpersonal conflict and that's kind of how power rangers is yeah where almost everything that happens is like oh something happened yeah (laughs) like not like characters interact yeah and i would say like especially for kind of that first five like the strongest actors were amy joe johnson and david yost so mm-hmm. that's why I feel yeah. like they were kind of they felt more developed, uh, even though if there was not much going on besides, you know, oh, the, these five kids have to, like, uphold all the values of Angel Grove yet again. And, and so they definitely yeah. brought the strongest performances. And I feel like especially that first season is, was still pretty. I have so many problems with the first season, but I still feel like kind of that first season was at least kind of well first season and even the second season were kind of well rounded in terms of like like how the cast was distributed i guess i mean i will say that like it still sometimes felt like zach and trini would get the short end of the stick 
they were kind of picking it up a little bit better in season two with giving Trini more of a character and showing that she was just as smart as Billy and all that. And then um, Twee and um, Walter Jones and Austin St. John left the show. So that kind of careened to a halt. And then it kind of started becoming a little bit of the Tommy show. Uh, yeah <laughs> um it definitely did yeah yeah i I, it, I would say it was not as bad the tommy show for the rest of mighty morphin but like once you got to like zeo and um mm-hmm. and turbo or at least the first half of turbo it was just like tommy 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 yeah mm-hmm. we just watched um the movie and like we like um had a count where like we went through and we we're like oh Here's like the nine problems of the movies, like 12 problems that Tommy solves by himself. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Because especially like like when we were watching the movie, um, it was kind of annoying to us because like in the TV series up until that point, that Trini and Kimberly and then Aisha were capable of solving their own problems. Yes, that was a problem in the movie. Yeah. And then the movie, they've just all of a sudden they're just like, Tommy, help. And it's, it's very dumb. Like, I don't get, it's like, I don't get this i mean i think at that point they realized that oh tommy is like our most popular character so we're just gonna make like tommy be like the central focus character from here on out it definitely gets like worse in mighty morphin once um you have like um those three actors leave and like it's like oh on top of being like cool extra ranger like you're also like the leader now and like i feel like um not as bad as like some other characters, but like Rocky kind of gets like the short end, like a lot and like, uh, just like not feeling like that important compared to Jason, you know? Oh yeah. Like if you've ever listened to our podcast, we're not fans of Rocky to begin with. Um, just because like we would often find his character kind of be kind of whiny and not really like all, he was just not all there. Um, but yeah, especially cause like, yeah, especially compared to like how Jason was treated versus how Rocky gets treated. Cause like once, um, yeah, there's barely anything for Rocky to really do and doesn't really get any character development beyond like one episode of Zeo where like he gets jealous of Jason coming back and <laughs> really, yeah, that happens in Zeo uh-huh. is that like, um, Jason does come back for like 10, 15 episodes as the gold ranger. Um, well, one, Austin St. John is phoning that performance in, like, <laughs> my God. Um, but then, like, there's, like, an episode where, like, Rocky thinks he's being replaced, and it's he gives him this, he gets kind of angsty, and, like, it ends up, like, the whole lesson of the episode is, you know, that, oh, well, just because, like, your friends have other friends doesn't mean that they're not your friend or that they're not, that they're that, or that they're replacing you. And then in Turbo, Rocky just basically gets written out in the yeah. stupidest way possible, I might add. Wait, um, in the show, is it the same as the movie where like he like breaks his back or something? The, or is it like something dumber? Oh, uh, no, it's still that. Because basically the Turbo movie is kind of a pilot, quote, quote, for Turbo, the TV okay. series. And so like basically the movie, the TV show picks up shortly after the movie and um, where Justin is the new Blue Ranger and uh, the Rangers are graduating from high school and which that includes Rocky, but like Rocky only shows up in like the first episode just to establish that he's graduating along with the other Rangers, but like he doesn't get to go to the graduation party that like Alpha and uh, Zordon throw for the other Rangers. And then after like, after graduation, he's just never mentioned again. I mean, like, it's not 
great what they do and like um they don't even like write him out to say like he went on to like a cool college or like a global gymnastics like peace limit or something he just leaves yeah he just leaves it was <laughs> uh, like yeah it bad. was kind of depressing like even for, for us who don't really like rocky we're just like wow that's that's kind of like a crappy way to like dump the character um <laughs> I mean, Turbo is like a whole bunch of that's a crappy way to dump the character. Um, I mean, there are two that like do kind of like stick out from that era as maybe being like bad as well. And there's the one where um, after being bullied behind the scenes, like you have like, um, yeah, you have David Yost leave by being aged up and then like marrying it. A like alien like woman and like going to live on that planet. Yeah. Oh, God. So that that one is we. Like, we ranted about that one at length in our Zio episode, because uh, Jay has been a huge fan of um, Billy uh, since they were a kid. And yeah. um, we just kind of talked about what that felt like in terms of, like, being, like, for, for both yeah. of us being queer and kind of, like, knowing what was going on and the fact that David walked off of the set because he just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, that yeah. feels like a major slap in the face yeah, to like somebody that they bullied off to set. Yeah, because especially like because they 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 very clearly are using a stand-in and like they're they badly pasted and then put a grain effect on like the stand-in's face to make it kind of look like Billy if you squint. And then like the the voice actor was just that they put in for Billy was just he didn't really sound like David Yost at all, which is like a whole thing from like. That was a carryover from when Austin Twee and Walter left because they used like voice actors to stand in for them, like when they were trying to write them officially write them out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the actors, the actress for Trini especially, uh, was pulling in some Those real so racist bad. stereotypes. It was oof. And it takes them like nine episodes, right, to like change them out where they're like mannequins and they're like in the park and they can't move yeah it takes a while because they need i feel like they were kind of scrambling no and um one other one that i think is it maybe like as it it's it's bad no it's probably so the way that tanya joins the cast at the end oh, of my yeah. of orphan yeah that's bad oh god it's so bad aisha goes to get her her crystal in africa right yeah and then that's when she meets tanya and they just swap places, and because it's the time travel, Aisha's family lives in Africa now, and and like I'm pretty sure, like, like we don't even say like the like country, just like the continent. Yeah. And then oh, like Tanya was here the whole time, or whatever. Yeah, is and the thing is that they keep acting like Tanya's been there the whole time. Like oh, I think I, I even that. accidentally called her Aisha a couple of times in the Zio episode. I feel really bad about that. Just because, like, they just sort of just swapped them, and it just felt like there was no really, um, you know, they don't have the the Tanya adjusting to modern life. They don't really even explain, like, what country she came from, what time period she even came from. Like, pop culture references or anything? Yeah. Like, you know? like it's just, like, they sort of just put her in there, and it's like, oh, yeah, she's been here the whole time. She knows all of our history. Don't worry about it. Like, it's it's not handled very well. Like, I remember being confused growing up because, like, another show was on the time, uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs. Yeah, they yeah. actually, like, had, like, some magic happen and, like, they were like, oh, no, this, like, person's face changed, but they're still the same person. So, like, growing up, I was like, oh, did, like, something happen? Because I just, like, hadn't seen the episode. I was like, is this supposed to be the same character? Like, what's going on here? Like, this doesn't, they're not calling it the same thing, you know? But they're like, it's like this episode later on because, you know, from, like, the beginning that Tanya 
doesn't have parents. And I assumed it was because her parents were dead. Her parents, at least, are either dead or went missing in Africa. Okay. Again, Africa being like just the general continent instead of explaining yeah. exactly where it's, she. It's worth noting. Yeah. And then later on, she gets a message from Aisha. And I'm just like, I. So older lady Aisha in the present or Aisha sending like a message from the past with like this key <laughs> or to like this island where her parents have been like. In stuck in some sort of like torture maze for like several years now. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Like I think they just forgot what they did with Tanya, and it's just like it's it's all over the place. It's okay because um Tommy can probably solve that problem <laughs> by suddenly having like a spirit animal powers from being like one eighth like Native American like oh whatever happens God. with him there. I forget all about that plot line, but I remember he like gets a brother and meets his real dad or something i don't he i don't think he ever actually meets his dad like you know that he's adopted and that he is at least part native american even though uh jason david frank is not a native american at all he has three first names (laughs) yeah he's definitely not he has three anglo-saxon first names yeah he's definitely not native american i think they just wanted to give him like something because the rest of the cast was like had some sort of like I, you know how the 90s are with like you know their diversity claims of like we have one of each yeah um, and so like you know with the zeo crystal you have like cat going back in to see her grandmother in australia oh, and you have like I forgot about that too yeah and then there's like um adam meets an ancestor in korea and like rocky meets his ancestors somewhere and and i believe it's supposed to be mexico and um yeah, and so I feel like they were just wanting to give Tommy something interesting, quote, quote, diverse. And it just was like, no, this is bad. I did not realize the fact that they all had quests like that. I just, like, <laughs> remember they went out and they, like, found their crystals in, like, rock walls and stuff. I forgot that there was a whole, wow. Yeah, it is it is not good. Um, So that, that was where the whole Tanya um aisha thing came up um because i think that there that was their crappy way of writing um uh karen ashley off the show i almost said yeah karen ashley was aisha nikia varice was um Tanya. yeah it is not it is like we were making comments about it just being racism quest the series it is yeah uh, that's a lot it's yeah um, it's it's cringe it is so cringe to change gears like a little bit um because we could talk a whole lot about that um and we did but uh so you like kimberly what do you think about her relationship with tommy i think it's actually i love her relationship with tommy i think it's actually the most developed relationship like at least from my perspective of like only seeing like a limited amount of power rangers but like especially for that early era of power rangers like it is the most developed relationship that i've seen so far up to like lost galaxy um like especially yeah. like afterwards when they try to put like uh cat and tommy together like it just it doesn't really work the same way and then they try to do um like ashley and uh andros and in space and it's kind of you know i remember liking that growing up but it's been forever yeah it doesn't really like i remember watching back on it and it's just, like watching it and it's just like okay so she she likes him because like he's an emo boy, but he clearly doesn't really show that much like reciprocation back. 
And it's just like there, there's some joke to be made there about, you know, uh, emotionally unavailable men. And uh, <laughs> I, I just want I, I just want to know if like there's like some sort of like correlation between like girls who had crushes on Andrus when they were younger and then like found out that they were queer later. Uh, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I I'm speculating here because he's got he's got the Legolas looks and like we kept we kept jokingly calling him Space Legolas when we were watching the series because like he's specifically made to be like an emotionally unavailable pretty boy, um, which like the best kind, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to Kimberly and Tommy, yeah, especially for like yeah. early Power Rangers, they are pr- like where character development barely exists like they're actually pretty well developed as a couple and like you believe them as a couple like you know especially being like teenagers and like where like their entire world is just being high schoolers and power rangers so like they're especially believable there and i actually do really like them as a couple which makes it really frustrating when like they had to remember in zeo that like oh wait um kimberly's not here anymore we need to break him up that's like one thing that like um I'm interested to see. We're not going to go past Mighty Morphin or like past like Alien Rangers in this like set of episodes. Right. But when we do, I want to like look at that because like I know it's like a letter, right? Yeah. So basically the way it's written in the series is that she sends him a, a Dear John letter saying that she's met somebody and like she's super happy with him and that she, you know, she apologizes to um, Tommy for breaking up with him this way. And um, I will say like. We're not going to be covering it for this particular podcast, but uh, I cannot recommend the uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers paint comic enough uh, because it kind of fills in the gap of like it's kind of got a little bit of modern anachronisms compared to like anachronisms compared to like Power Rangers, the TV show. But it does try to fill in the gap of what happened to Kimberly in kind of that year. And like you don't see the guy, but like she kind of. She has like these internal moments where she's less like wondering what her future is, but not being a Power Ranger and kind of putting herself of like in her like trying to like imagine herself like who she is without being a Power Ranger and who she is without Tommy. So that's actually completely perfect because um, so I have a music video made by a fan of uh, the tommy and kimberly relationship okay for us hey everyone in our past few episodes we have tried to live react to some videos uh that is the logistical nightmare so it's just just a post reaction and that will be what we do for these going forward the video is also in the show notes so we just watched um power rangers tommy and kimberly just a dream um i kind of like wanted to uh just um introduce like a different part of like the fandom and like i think um i have a soft spot for mvs like especially ones that like are trying to use clips from multiple shows to tell the story about characters oh, yeah. and everything. And yeah, I, yeah, I especially was super into them. Like back when I was into Dr. Who, like ages ago. Um, I, I know I have a couple hidden on my YouTube channel, like one, just cause I don't want the copyright strikes, but also because like, um, like one of the ones that I made was particularly associated with the IT crowd. And I don't want to be associated with, um, with Graham Linehan in any way, so. Oh, yeah, I forgot that he had a career. Yeah, uh, at, some yeah point. at one point he did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought I think this was like, especially for, you know, music video, like a MV from like, you know, 2010 was what's listed on the video from 
uh, Degrassi for Life 95. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a time it's capsule. It's a time capsule for sure, but it, especially the like the video quality and all of that. It's like, oh, I feel like I'm, you know, back on, uh, in my room watching like crappy YouTube like MVs and I'm 16 years old and just like, it's all in my feelings. And like, I just um love seeing like the like uh, 2004 Tommy like reacting to like not having Kimberly and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, because so we haven't gotten a Dino Thunder yet in the pod and our podcast, but um, I'm looking forward to it, especially because like Jay keeps kind of like hyping it up to me as like Tommy a little bit as Peter B. Parker from Into the Spider Verse. So just kind of like older and contemplating what his life has even been doing for like the past like X amount of years since he's been a Power Ranger. Which, you know, we we, we, we we get into that sometimes on the show. It's just like, man, they would have so much PTSD. But yeah, I found the video very sweet. Um, and like I said, a, a total time capsule. Very yeah, earnest. Very earnest and like a total time capsule, as you said, of like kind of like, you know, envy, like subculture on YouTube, which I don't, I don't even know if that still exists anymore just due to like the super hard copyright <sighs> yeah. restraints. Like, I'm not going to check, but I'm pretty sure that Degrassi Fan 95 probably has their best years of MV behind them. Yeah, at this point. I'm sure that they have, like, they they have moved on now. They have, they're, they, I hope they are living a good life, like, I don't know, maybe on Twitter somewhere. I don't know. And that person is Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> Could you imagine, <laughs> like, Somebody like digs so up her old YouTube account and it's all just like Degrassi and Power Rangers like music videos and like some people would try to make it sound like, oh, you know, th- this makes her like a terrible person who's lied to her constituents and it's just like somehow you've made her more awesome. Like, I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, just like I would love to find like the embarrassing like what's like what did she do in 2004 but like her love of you know yasha or right? something like that would like love that like being uncovered I mean, it's gonna come in like the next like 20 years or so maybe even less is like you know people are gonna be dragging up senators old fan fiction you want medicare for all but i see that you um like it when people collect parts of a crystal to like get a wish <laughs> thoughts Though, like, the fact that, like, you know, Stacey Abrams was going to Dragon Con, like, the year she was running for governor, I didn't see her there, but I knew she was there, and, like, it was, like, hilarious. She was, like, super excited to meet, like, uh, Felicia Day, and I think a couple people from Buffy, and, like, they were just like, oh my god, you're Stacey Abrams. I want to see, like, who's the first, like, person in congress who we find like their like fanfiction.net account oh for. my god or, or, or first person in congress we find their persona oh that's that's got to be on the way that's that's in the bag already that has to be like by the time like space jam 2 comes out we'll find oh, out yeah. that one i mean i wouldn't be surprised if somebody in congress now has a persona because you never know <laughs> no totally like it's i'm betting it's yeah, yeah. i would every bet but um Speaking of um, embracing ourselves and things that we love, we should actually talk about what we came here to talk about, which is uh, some episodes of Mighty yeah. World Power Rangers.
right, we are back. And so this week, um, we're looking at season three again, and we wanted to kind of like look at um of the arcs, I guess, like the most major one was probably like the changing of the Pink Ranger, which like I didn't realize happened most of the way through like this last season. So like cats only in like 12 or something episodes, I guess, like the Pink Ranger. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it was like a nine episode arc. And then the next episode was when she actually became a ranger for the first time. So I had to trim that down a yeah, little bit. No. So we're, we're looking at um, a ranger catastrophe. I've provided for viewers and for us just one clip from the next four episodes that is kind of what matters. And then like we're also looking at like a different shade of pink and Rita's Pita. What are your thoughts kind of like um, on we've talked about how other characters have changed just like overall like on the change from cat kimberly to cat in the arc um i will say this is the most character development cat ever gets for the entire series and the nothing for the you know the next three years um um i will say that this like you know we talked a little bit about rain like rangers who had left the show up until this point and uh and even after this point and it feels like Kimberly is the only one that has ever gotten a real chance to get a proper goodbye and changing of the guard. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, uh, Walter Jones, Tweet Trang and uh, Austin St. John left due to pay disputes so that they were, though they walked off set and they were kind of just unceremoniously written out with stand-ins in their, um, in their costumes. And then, um, and then of course later on, like, David Yost leaves the series and it's like he walks off set and they they pull all of that that bullshit of him. And um so yeah, but in Kimberly's case like because it felt like, you know, I she I know she was also leaving due to pay dispute. Um but like I guess cuz that she was a super popular character, like she gets a chance to be written out of the series whereas everybody else is kind of like unceremoniously written around well before and after like um you have like um the first cast Mm -hmm. change i do feel like kimberly billy and tommy are kind of like really set up as like the main characters like even when they still have like jason zach and like trini there and like um it definitely does get more when like once you have like the movie and like that like season and a half where like um yeah, like she is like the female lead of the show. She's basically like given most of the scenes of like normal life, just like by merit of like having the relationship with Tommy, who's like tr- who's mostly like treated as like the male lead of the show right. too, you know. But yeah, um, so the first episode like in this block is um a two parter called Ranger Catastrophe, mm-hmm. and basically um Aisha is working at a-, a local shelter and she finds a cat in the park with Kimberly, um, like PC or like park cat. And, um, they get to keep the cat if no one tries to adopt her. And yeah, uh, <laughs> this is a weird yeah, episode. First of all, can I say park cat is a real dumb name for a cat? Like, I was just like, God love Aisha. I know, I know I do, but like, why did she think that was a good name? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I yeah. don't know. It, it makes no yeah. real sense. Um, yeah, I will say, like, this is does set, like I said, this is kind of the start of, like, Cat's whole character arc. Because if, if you don't know, in this episode, it finds out that the cat that um, Aisha finds is actually... Is actually spelled with yeah. a K. 
Yeah, it's actually Cat with a K. Um, who's played by Catherine Sutherland. Uh, who She spells her name with a C. So that's how you know it's different. Um, Kid exposed yeah. the <laughs> Yeah, kayfabe, kayfabe. Um, but yeah, so I, I do love how like Aisha and Kimberly interact in the episode before they find out that like, well, they don't find out for yeah. a while that Cat is the cat. Um, so I, I love how they interact in this episode and just how like Catherine Sutherland is trying very hard to act evil and she pulls it off kind of. Um, she comes off like more misguided, I think, because like she just seems like she's just like doing what she's told and like she's under like a mind control spell. So like, sure, but she never like does get made to act like in the same way that like when Tommy was like in the same situation, how like he was meant to be evil and like he definitely like hammed it up slash like didn't have the chops the same way that she kind of like at least like doesn't seem that abnormal of a like person or actor in like these episodes compared to like when Tommy was like laughing and saying like, ah, my empress. Right. right. Yeah. And it, it definitely works with her kind of just being under, you know, Rita's mind control, which um, it's, I think like, well, you get more, a little bit more of her backstory quote, quote in um, different shade of pink, but yeah. So cat and ultimately does kind of come across as a little bit more misguided though. She has like, powers to change into a not just a cat but also a like cat humanoid monster yeah <laughs> that's fun um it never really comes back i think after she turns good she loses her cat powers but she keeps the ears sometimes but like that's really it for her um i honestly um was very interested because like this is like the first like or like one of the few times like where there is like conflict between mm-hmm. people and like there's like a whole arc of like her trying to like seduce Tommy and like there's that one scene where she says oh can you fix my car and he's like shouldn't you call a mechanic yeah because it's like I, I notated in here like my um in my original Ranger's Plane notebook of like I, I notated here is like this is the start of a really bad porn Tommy yes because that was just the entire vibe is that like she's clearly like trying to seduce him but like in a in a very like g-rated like syndicated like children's show kind of way and like um when they show tommy talking to ernie tommy has multiple like juice cups in front of him empty like he's been at the bar or something (laughs) like had too much juice and now he like can make some mistakes oh god and like ernie doesn't stop him because like i guess he's that assumption that well you know Tommy is only does good, so he's not going to get in any trouble like helping somebody with their car. Um, and it's like I, I find it hard to believe that nobody in this town knows that they're Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, me and Jay came up with a headcanon that everybody—it's kind of just an open secret that they're the Power Rangers, and the only people that don't realize it are Bulk and Skull. Um, at some point, like in at the start of the season, Bulk and Skull became cops or like junior cops, and not the best. Yeah, they are not good at their jobs. Um, which thankfully uh they they're bad at their jobs <laughs> um and then like at, towards the end of the season they end up becoming private detectives and it's all that's a whole thing um which i will say i enjoyed them more as like dumbass private detectives than i did enjoy them as dumbass cops they kind of have been like made into like more positive characters in the season where they were like villains in season one and oh, two yeah. so like that's part of it um one cool thing about the being like cops though is that Skull gets a 
leather cop jacket and he puts like a giant red question mark on the back of it. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I really wanted to I know. I forgot about that. <clears throat> um, yeah, I will say out of like that entire kind of Angel Grove arc or Zordon era, if you if you want to call it that, any season where Bulk and Skull show up, you actually kind of see Bulk and Skull slowly become the best developed characters in all of Power Rangers. And like... It's it's hilarious, especially like I remember like when we looked back on when we when we watched season one to like where we are currently with Ranger Splane, like I hated Bulk and Skull in season one. And then like by the time we got to Last Galaxy, I'm like, how dare you write off Skull the way you did? <laughs> oh well at some point, I forget where, but I think they like come back way later. Yeah, um so yeah, samurai? Bulk comes back as a major, as like a main character and well, main side character in Samurai, and then like Skull shows up towards the like end of the series, if I remember right. No, um, and like um, there's lots of like weird little moments in like because like they have to do stuff with a lot of the cast, but they don't have stuff for them to do. So there's stuff like a small plot line where like Rocky's like, "Oh, my sandwich. I hope it's all right. <laughs> like I left my sandwich." Yeah, is that that whole gag about the leaving the sandwich at Ernie's or like Vulcan Skull even doing in like the episode like uh they're trying to return the cat to its owner so they'll get a promotion. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um so yeah, and oftentimes those plot lines just go absolutely nowhere with Bulk and Skull. It's just a case to, you know, get them into some like trouble and sight gags. And I noticed actually that in like in like a lot of the season three episodes, a lot of their scenes are cut from the episode, but they happen over the credits. And that's wild that they like were desperate to put in these like Bulk and Skull character moments or like gags, but they're like, oh, we ran out of time. Yeah, that one's really interesting. Like Season three is interesting overall because it's like there's so much happens and yet nothing happens because like you have all of these big character development arcs where like, you know, they loot like where, you know, Kimberly leaves and they change over Zords and then like, you know, they get shrunk down into children. And like I, I we just sort of consider Alien Rangers as like the end of season three. So like, you know, and then you have like. They have get all these extra like add-on powers from Ninjor and then from Zordon and then like, you know, then the alien rangers come from Aquatar and they have to go find their Zeo crystals. And then yet, like, once we were done, we were just like, what happened in the season? Like, it just it didn't like nothing stuck. Yeah. Um, in the like three or four episodes that we like skip in this look at, um, like Kimber loses her power coin and Tom uses his Zord and Ninja gets trapped. And like it's nothing changes yeah. <laughs> really. And then, like like sometimes Kimberly yeah. faints. And then like as if I remember right with like Ninjors, like that that plot line never got addressed by the end of the season. Like Ninjor just sort of disappears. Yeah, like something about him getting st- he gets stuck in like the sea of sorrow or something like that. And then like let me double check that real quick. <laughs> But yeah, because it's like I just it feels like Ninjor just sort of gets like he comes he's like a major ish character for the first part of the series, and then he gets dropped like a hot rock. Um, yeah, because they tried to make him this major mentor, but they didn't change his character from being like a bumbling like in like the Sentai show, the Kaka Ranger. Like he's like a a like student of like the old Kaka Rangers who like messed up and like hurt mm-hmm. people, so like he got trapped. So here they like 
make him the same character, but also he's like this cool mentor that's like more magical than Zordon. Yeah, and then so okay, so basically what it says is that like kind of just fades off towards the end of the series, and then like he's somewhere he's reciting in a vase inside the Temple of Power, and like that vase is restored to the Temple of Power around Zeo. So something like that. A lot of this episode takes place um at the animal shelter where like that's where like Aisha volunteers and um they lose PC slash cat um and she just like goes to like a dumpster to talk to Rita but also like Aisha has like a massive bedroom that has like a couch in it and stuff yeah I couldn't figure out if that was her bedroom or like a den just due to the the size of it she gets a dumpster turned into her car and like her and Tommy get trapped in like a weird dimension where she's like leaning on him and be like oh Tommy I'm scared and like grabbing his arm because he like wants to drive her car after he like fixes it well like she's just like oh why don't you take my car for a spin it's fine and it's like mm. yeah her perfect car yeah leaving the license plate says perfect like Tommy's not smart <laughs> and like that could be kind of endearing if like he wasn't also like meant to be like perfect at everything yeah like it's it's kind of been a running joke for this any of the seasons we have tommy uh that he's just not very smart and like especially because it comes up in mentioning power rangers pink again there's like this one scene where like uh kimberly and tommy interact but like like kimberly can't reveal that it's her but like tommy can't recognize that it's her for some reason because even though she like addresses him directly um, but she can't, for some reason, she can't say that she's Kimberly. Um, but for some reason, he also can't, like, I guess not recognize her voice. Um, so it's just like, wow, Tommy, you're really dumb. Um, I guess, I guess, yeah, I mean, does that make him a himbo, like, retroactively? Uh, I, is Tommy a himbo? <laughs> the longest thread of the forum for, like, 5,000 pages and never. Mods have to lock the thread. Yeah. I think, yeah, Tommy's a himbo. Yeah, he's just, like, he's very sweet. He's he's kind of muscle-bound, obsessed with karate and being healthy, but he's not very smart. Um, yeah. I'm um, like, there's that scene later where, like, he visits Kimberly at the hospital and, like, he throws a bear at her and says, probably should have landed on your feet, huh? Or something like yeah, that. Or, like, like, oh, God. No, my favorite part of that scene, like, kind of jumping ahead for a second, is, the, like, like, when they have to leave to, like, fight, like, Rita's monsters, and, like, um, he, so he's, like, very quiet and nice to Kimberly, and he's like, okay, we gotta go now, and he, she's like, okay, bye, he's like, bye, and then all of a sudden he's just like, ninja power now! <laughs> like, right yeah. over her bed, like. Yeah, just, like, in the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> like, can you imagine that, like, you're just like oh wow like i just like got like wrist surgery and like i'm just like really feeling bad like i can't like move one of my hands and i'm trying to like eat like a jello and then you just hear ninja power now it's like what the hell oh i'm covered in poison ivy and like i like can't touch my face and just, you just all of a sudden <laughs> just scream, hear like, like some teenager down the hall is <laughs> screaming ninja power now or ninja ranger power now i don't remember exactly what he said i just know he went from like you know, that super quiet whisper voice to like screaming for his like power, his morph powers. And it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. So it's just like at that point, he's just being a jackass. And um, yeah. And 
so we see her transform that one time, but then we see her transform the second time, and she gets like the sexy hair flip moment of like, wow, she's so pretty or whatever. And it's just like slow motion, like her hair flows for a moment as she turns from a cat into like a woman. And she's like, okay. Slow motion, slow motion. Uh, Sorry, crazy ex-girlfriend reference. But um, yeah, it's just like, especially like the first few episode cat is few episodes cat is in they kind of try to set her up to be kind of like they try to do a little bit of the femme fatale thing um but it just comes across a little bit more doofy than anything else and then like she's like a shy preppy character not like a femme yeah fatale, and then no. like by the time that they get to like a different shade of pink they have just dropped that entirely which thank god um but yeah, so it's, it's just kind of awkward, like in the, those first few episodes where they're trying to make establish Cat as this presence of her being like under the influence of evil, and they try to kind of make her sexy, but for like nine year olds, and it just does not work. Yeah, there's a lot of like we want to do like an infidelity plotline, but also like you're like six, yeah. so we can't go on here. Like, and I just I couldn't get over the fact that like you have to do it, I guess, when you're like a show with the level of writing it as like power rangers but like how like the cat like loves tommy but hates kimberly and like scratches her yeah and then like so like the hilarious thing is that by the time you get to the end of a different shade of pink and like cat and kimberly have gotten to know each other more and like uh cat has like genuinely repented for what she did to kimberly and apologized and then like encouraged her to get back to like gymnastics so she like she doesn't end up like her with like her failed diving like career career which never comes up again after this episode by the way like cat doesn't get back into diving and like she becomes a ballerina and like zeo for some reason okay yeah. um because pink pink i guess um at least they do establish like somewhere in zeo that she hasn't been dancing for long um, but they keep giving like cat all of these weird things that she did in Australia that are just like she would have been like six. What are you talking about that she trained police dogs? Wait, what? Really? <laughs> yeah, so like there's this episode where like they clearly back in my home country. Yeah, so clearly they just they needed a German shepherd because the German there was a German shepherd in the Sentai footage. So like they do this whole plot line where cat was like Cat was helping train this police dog. Are you kidding? No, I am not. I swear to God, this was the plot line. They have three police characters. Yeah, and it's just like, so Cat's like helping train this police dog. Or was it a fire? Either way, first responder dog. And she's like, oh, I helped train like dogs like this back in Australia. And it's like, since when? And so they keep Uh. giving. So they, so yeah. The diving thing only comes up once in, like, this entire series, and it's in this set of episodes. And, like, um, by the end of that episode, like, I can believe Cat and Kimberly as a ship more than I could Cat and Tommy as a ship. Well, don't they take a while to actually ship Cat and Tommy? Isn't that not till, like, mid to late Zeo where that yeah. happens? Or am so, I wrong? So, like, they're kind of setting them up a little bit to be a thing from like here to like to Zio and then like Zio is when Tommy gets officially broken up with and then so like I thought from that episode on from that episode set onward like that Cat and Tommy were dating but then like 
several episodes after the breakup um, is when like he's like, wow, I think I think Kat's pretty. So like I may want to date her, but I don't know how to ask her out. And it's like, wait, 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 you guys weren't dating already. Um, just because it felt like from the moment that Kimberly left, they were trying to wedge Kat with Tommy. And like it kind of like gets a lot of like focus here, but it kind of like does lessen when the spell's broken. Yeah. But one small thing is I know that like it's a complaint with uh, Power Rangers like Turbo that like Tommy randomly like gets really into like racing cars. But I actually liked how like this is actually almost foreshadowing like when Tommy sees like her Mustang is like, oh, oh, cool. Like a car. Like I want to drive it. Like, that's like a, like a yeah, I will say fun, small. Happy yeah, accident. I will say Tommy like gawking over the Mustang and eventually becoming a race car driver makes a little bit more sense than him getting like coming like a paleontologist like in Dino. <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? I think one of the Rangers should have been a paleontologist just because like they did drive dinosaurs. That's just like a fun thing. You're like, oh, these are cool. Yeah, at least in Dino like, Charge, yeah. they kind of make up for that with like Shelby wanting to become a paleontologist. Um, so she's like, so like the whole thing in Dino Charge is that like the pink ranger Shelby wants to become a paleontologist. So she's like working at the museum and then like she follows like um, Kendall and uh, Kendall, who's like the, the curator of the museum, like on a um, on an e- expedition and then finds out like, uh oh, they're like, it, it, it's how they find the, the, the their ranger powers, basically. Granted, we have not gotten there yet with Power Rangers. I have not watched Dino Thunder yet, so I don't really know how, like, they explain how Tommy decides that he wants to get into paleontology. I think he, like, literally might, like, make new zords out of, like, dinosaur parts or mm-hmm. something. It's It's been forever At for least, me. you know, yeah, from oh. a mechanical standpoint, I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean, in the sense that he kind of is a mechanic. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um... I would think he's maybe like not super likely to make new swords of most Power right. Rangers like in the first right. season. And Goldar gets the chance to try and kill Tommy for like the umpteenth and time. fails utterly. <laughs> Where like Tommy's not using his sword at all like Saba but then he does when he like, he's also like facing Rito but then like he has to like grab it with the force and everything and and like then he gets saved. But uh, yeah it's just like a another seed of Tommy being in like a foggy room versus somebody and it's like their favorite thing to do yeah and it's just like the, the way they bring him back is like I, I notated like they brought him back with unity because like he, he they're just they just kind of stand in a circle and summon him back I, I know there's some sort of MacGuffin but like it's, it's Power Rangers the MacGuffins like really only count if it's the Zeo crystal it's like how they um like can channel the powers without like the crystals or like without their like coin right. or something but yeah um and we get Another fight scene with the same footage for like Rito and Rocky says to the moon Rito, which I love. <laughs> That's a reference to the honeymooners. Oh God. In the honeymooners, like the joke was that this bus driver one day was going to get so mad at his wife, Alice, that he punched her so hard she went to the moon. Yeah, I just I always think of the Futurama joke about that where like they're going through the ride on the on the moon like amusement park. And like they, they like the ride cites the honeymooners as like the first instance that like man wanted to go to the moon, and like Fry's like he like he wasn't an astronaut. That was just code for beating his wife. I I I don't know. I just like can't get over like when I heard that. Like I just kind of like perked <laughs> up because I was like taking notes, but also like not 
paying attention. I just had to like be like, oh, that's a outdated reference to something that is actually really messed up yeah. nowadays. But hit shows especially are guilty of that because like they hire a lot of like older men, so they'll try to like sneak in references to things that were popular when they were young. And like it just comes across like really badly. Like, um I can't remember like Kate Leth, who's like a comic writer and like also works in television and like animation specifically talking about like I've had to talk like I remember at one point she was like I've had to talk so many old men out of writing love boat jokes on a television show that we're making right now um then cat becomes a workout again she makes the second reference to the shoe being on the other foot that we get in these like episodes because like she and Rita both make that same yeah. joke and then like randomly she says hey who's that and then ninja was like ninja yeah, I was just like what is what I wrote in that like my notebook like <laughs> It was like, where did Ninja come from and where did he, he go after that? <laughs> He's like, he shows up, like, helps them fight. He's like, oh, yeah, we bad. And then, like, he just leaves. <laughs> oh, that was my favorite line, because you could tell that it was a fight between Ninja and the cat monster in the Sentai right. footage. So they just, like, have one moment of impact where, like, it looks like the fists on the monster. But beyond that, it's just, like, Ninja fighting the monster. Right. But he's not involved in the plot beforehand. Yeah, you're just like, oh, we got it. We're just gonna say Ninja showed up. Which those are just those are yeah. my favorite moments in Power Rangers when like they're the sent they kind of just are shoehorning into the Sentai footage, like the plot, and it's just it's it gets into some ridiculous places. Like Lost Galaxy is especially guilty of that because of the whole like um they wanted to because they wanted to do another space season, but then Ginga Man ended up yes. being Swords and Sorcery. So it goes some very weird places. And, like, I kind of remember that, like, working surprisingly well as, like, weird, like, nature, like, galaxy stuff. But, yeah, it probably does it on, like, uh, like when actually looking at oh, it. Yeah, our, our general um, our general look at Lost Galaxy when we finished was, um, well, it's not boring. <laughs> The main thing I remember now from Lost Galaxy is like they liked showing the Red Ranger shirtless. Yeah, I, it doesn't happen as often as you think, but Leo does take his shirt off a decent amount of times, a non-zero amount of times. Um, though I will say my favorite thing about uh, Lost Galaxy is that the actor who played Leo, he was literally just doing the job to pay for law school. Oh, yeah. Like, have you seen those pictures of him, like, in, like, his yes. law office of, like, the power yes. just helmet? They're so adorable. So good. I and love he, that. Apparently, he does occasionally show up to con, so he hasn't, like, disavowed his life in Power Rangers entirely. But, like, it's just, yeah, it's just so funny. It's like, he just is, he's working his way through law school, and this is the way he does it. There's a lot of different ways that, like, being a Power Ranger has ended for people. Like, sometimes, like, you star in, like, iZombie. Sometimes you, like, become a lawyer. Sometimes you like you become like the favorite person on on like random websites like Screen Rant and like Den of Geek because you were a Power Ranger and you like kill someone with the sword, you know? Like that's yeah. just um it's just really gonna get interesting when we get to later seasons and like you get the guy who like murdered his roommate with a sword or uh God forbid the the guy or the guy who committed suicide after like beating his wife, you know. Yeah. <sighs> I was very surprised, actually, because the, like, Yellow Ranger in Lost Galaxy was also, like, in not, in not like, another teen movie where she, like, just plays, like, 
a, a character named Ariola who spends the whole movie like yeah nude. yeah like Jay mentioned that to me like I don't think it came up when we were recording about Lost Galaxy but like it came up when we were watching it I was just like what really <laughs> um but yeah definitely because like Power Rangers will definitely take you places uh sometimes and I do love that what was that I think it was a hard drive article that made the joke of like it was a a joke article pretending to be written by um by Jason David Frank and it was like how I made my career out of being uh, 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 after Power Rangers of being the guy that was on Power Rangers. No shade to Jason David Frank, but that is basically how he's made his career post Power Rangers is just like reminding everybody that he was Tommy on Power Rangers. I don't want to endorse Jason David Frank not knowing anything about him in a non-professional sense, I guess, or like non, but like he did run successful enough like martial arts schools for a while and like he did have a pretty good like run in mma so at least like he like did some legit stuff yeah with and it. i think he I, I felt like a couple of years ago he was contemplating getting into professional wrestling but nothing has happened from that but i'm i'm sure that there is some carny promoter out there who is just like like would be like chomping at the bit to like book jason david frank on their like shindy show honestly i kind of feel like um Two things. One, I'd much rather see Macaulay Culkin. And um, two, I'd uh, Jason David's Frank, like most profitable time was probably around the time that like CM Punk. Right. Left. Yeah. It's only gone down since because they both kind of like have that same. Oh, look. yeah. Is there, did, did, like, did, are you aware of the fact that like that uh, Jason David Frank really badly wanted to like fight CM Punk in an MMA match? Oh, they were around the same time, weren't they? Yeah, because it was like right after Punk left WWE and then like um, got was training to have an MMA fight that like Jason David Frank is just like, well, like he should face me and show how tough he is. And then like CM Punk was just like, shut up, leave me alone Um, as as Punk is wont to do. Um, (laughs) So obviously that never went anywhere besides just kind of being a little bit of a long running joke in the in both Power Rangers fandom and from what I can tell on, and then WWE fandom around the same time. Um, so one thing I had next was to cover the episodes. We like kind of skipped mm-hmm. just one small scene of the end of the changing of the Zords. Cause there's like a taxi episode where cat and Tommy get stuck in a car in a dimension <sighs> again. And I had, for- I had forgotten about that. <laughs> I love when they reuse stuff like that, where it's just like, it's been two episodes. Let's put them back in a car. dimension. Oh, yeah, I know that especially uh, happened no, a lot uh, in the first season. Like, there's so many episodes in, like, the first season, but also, like, when Adam first joins the cast that are just all about self-confidence. <laughs> it, it, for the first couple of seasons, it was, like, the most overused trope in Power Rangers. Yeah, though, like, of the three new Rangers in, like, season two, I really, I really l- like Adam a lot. Like, he's, like, a really, like... He does well for little. Yeah, and I think that's also like a testament to Johnny Young Bosch as an actor. Yeah, um, is that he's kind of able to like get what he can get what he can out of like what little is given to him. Yeah, and he's like made like a pretty good career. Yeah, of that. and like you know, especially like it's it's kind of hilarious. He's become more known for being an anime voice actor than anything else. That is kind of just like an, an interesting an- anecdote that he was a Power Ranger, but. At the end of the changing of the Zords, where they get their new Zords and Ninja gets kidnapped um, and stuff, that's when we um, have like a scene that's like actually pretty sweet of um, 
Kimberly and, and Tommy talking because like he's like relating it to like oh like you were there for me when I lost my Green Ranger powers and stuff and like we're all here for you and like it'll be okay. It's like a very nice like sunset scene. Yeah, and like I I think that is such a great moment of their relationship that I think just shows how much they they work because there is sort of a mutual support there. And, you know, it's not just like, oh, we're going to pair off. Like, it comes across less of like, oh, we're just going to pair off Kimberly with Tommy because, like, he's the cool dude and she's, like, the most popular girl character we have on the show. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes their relationship feel genuine. Um, and it, and, it, and it, yeah. it is a nice kind of, like, cycle back around to Tommy's initial appearance on the sh- initial appearances on the show. Um of just kind of showing that, like, hey, you were there for me. I'm going to be there for you. I always, like, appreciated, too, that, like, with the, like, initial five Rangers, like, you wouldn't get a, any version of the show now where there wasn't a romance in that, like, a, in that first group or, like, some kind of, like, pining. So, like, it's, like, it's kind of, like, nice that, like, it was, like, only when they actually had a handle on the show were introducing characters that, like, they actually even, like, considered that. And, like, they kind of slow burned it like a little yeah. bit like Tommy and like Kimberly. Yeah. I, I, I know. Um, yeah, yeah. Jay's warned me about Wes and Jen in time Force, So I am, I am prepared for that. Um, but yeah, I would say like up until the point that we're currently at, which is post lost galaxy is that like, yeah, they are. And I have already, I know I've already said it when we've been recording, but they are definitely 100% like the best developed, like romance. In like the Zordon era, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think, and I I don't know why they were so hesitant to like kind of do what they did there again, like because like after like because I I know like after what I've seen like after um all of that like there's there's no more kissing, there's no more like closeness or like kind of explicit talk of them being in a relationship beyond like maybe going on a like maybe characters going on a date or like holding hands i partially wondered if they didn't want like characters to get big enough to like overshadow the show like the way that like a character like tommy or like kimberly right. did too that that makes that kind of makes sense but i i again i'm not in the writer's room i don't know the the logic there um no i i do know that there was a i I know that there was a whole thing where they were like, are, are they actually going to kiss on Power Rangers again about Beast Morphers not too long ago? Because um, it just has not been a thing since, like, I mean, there's not, like, you know, super tongue-in-mouth kissing on Power Rangers, but, like, you know, that, like, basically, like, the kiss, like, the kind of kisses that, like, um, Kimberly and Tommy share with each other in, like, Mighty Morphin never happen again. And um, one more thing about, like, um, this whole point is that um so like to find this clip of that watching like these like whole four episode like arc like um i had to like find it on youtube and like i eventually found it because there's just this person who um i love them honestly because they uh went through and they just numbered every kimberly and tommy themes and so like this video is called like kimberly and tommy part 87 (laughs) by by cmei and they just like did (laughs) For like 200 parts or something. They, they are committed to their ship. And I appreciate that. <laughs> just like to go through and be like, I have microfiche of every moment of Tommy and Kimberly. But um, the next set of episodes, a different shade of pink. Um, that's where we get most of the actual plot and the character direction. Kimberly also needs to go on a 
European global thing. It's not a peace conference, though. It's a gymnastics thing, which it I like that her motivation isn't like as like mind numbingly selfless as like a teen peace conference or whatever yeah, happens so, to the, like the first three. Yeah, because it's a, it's supposed to be like the, the the Power Rangers world equivalent of the Olympics. Um, because they can't technically say Olympics, like because I think it's, it's copyrighted. I guess, yeah. So like they have okay. the Pan Global Games, but yeah, because because uh, that's where Cat talks about like you know she was trying to go to the Pan Global Games as a diver, but like um got cocky and then like hit her head on the board on the way down. I'm like, one, how are you alive? Um, because she says it so casually. She's like, oh, I hit my head on the board and I passed out and. By the time I woke up, they told me I lost the meat by one point. I'm like, hang on, hang on. Are you, you go back to the fact that you hit your head on the diving board from the high uh, from the high jump. The the fact they managed to rescue you and you don't have permanent brain damage is kind of impressive. Um, and like the worst part about it is, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. In the flashbacks, they show her two separate bathing suits, and then one of them is the modern one from her scene where she like dies for Tommy and Kimberly later. So it's just like a weird little moment of just like them not matching their I stuff. wonder if they had to reshoot and they just didn't they just couldn't find the suit or something like that but like no my favorite part of the flashback from when like she's thinking back to like losing the pan global <laughs> games is the announcer going oh there goes Australia's hope to go to the pan global games and it's like okay. um I think we should be more concerned if she's alive right now and she's like at the qualifiers for like presumably her region or like her like city so like it's not like there's nobody there yeah i think they're just like i think well i think it's less of them going to the pan global games and getting a gold in the pan global games you know but it's still just like it's just so weird is that the like the, the announcer just being like oh there goes australia's hope and it's like um like the priority right now is that you know your your diver just hit her head on the board and like just careened into the pool like and like I, I've been watching a lot of MythBusters lately, so it's just like if she went at that speed, she would have hit with at least fifty G's. Something would be broken. <laughs> and her flashbacks keep being good because, like, we see her like presumably when she first gets to Angel Grove, and like she's talking to, like some guy, and then he gets turned into like a tango by Rita, <laughs> and she gets kidnapped and, and it's so it's so ridiculous. I'm like, who is this man? Where did he come from? Like, um, I he's yeah. Great. It's, He's a great it's, dude. It's, yeah, like he's a tango now. Yeah, I, mean, I just assume he he lives as a tango and dies as a tango. Because <laughs> he has to sing the very good tango oh, song. God, I hate the tango song so much. Like, let's go tango, <laughs> let's go tango, tango tango, birdie birdie. <laughs> at some like, point, sometimes, yeah, at some yeah. point they talk about how bad they smell. It's it, or like how once they get beaten up, they're gonna have to go learn to basket weave. Oh God, it is. It is not one of Ron Wasserman's better creations. And he has that great song, Ride <laughs> the Machine. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. It was just. In the 80s, wasn't that how, like, Saban got his money? It was from, like, the, te- the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song in the <sighs> 80s? Wasn't that, like, a thing? Or was he already rich? Maybe, he, maybe was, somebody else. he worked at Mattel on the He Man series, I think. Or, like, he was, he was somehow involved with He Man. So like he was already making money, um, especially I because I, he mentioned the toys that made us when we were talking earlier and like or no, I think you mentioned the toys mm-hmm. that made us in like one of your earlier episodes. My bad. Um, 
But have you seen the Toys That Made Us episode about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe? No, I haven't. Oh, no. my God. Okay. Um, so I, I think the rest of, like, the Toys That Made Us, even though I haven't caught up on the more recent seasons, is, is fine. It's it's a very interesting series to kind of, like, looking into, like, you know, again, 80s toys and kind of all of that. But the He-Man episode is just bonkers. Um because it's just basically about these like 80s businessmen working in Mattel who like bullshitted their way into success. Yeah, and just this, this this it's just insane about like how many times you have this one guy who's like continuously just making up what they were going to like offer to like Toys R Us or like um Child World, which was like the the second most popular <laughs> toy store in the 80s. I don't that can't exist. That that can't be a real thing. Child, it, world. it, it was at one time. This does not exist anymore. Oh no! Um, but like, yeah. so they're like coming up with this. So he's just like, oh well, we you know, it comes with a comic book, and then one guy's like, really? Like since when? <laughs> so they had to like find somebody to work on the, the the comic books that came with the figures, and then like, um, when they were pitching to like Toys R Us, like Toys R Us is just like, well, you know, some kids can't read, and it's like. And the, the same guy who pitched the comic book earlier. Some kids like, can't read. Like, oh, well, did you hear we're doing an animated TV series about it? And then again, same guy. It's like, really? <laughs> Since when? And then, like, there's one guy who is, like, helping sculpt the figures that he clearly had some sort of muscle fetish. Like. Uh, yeah, th- th- they're called Heban. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you listen to him talk and he clearly just had some, like. It's some fixation because, like, he's been a small, skinny dude his entire life. And I, I I don't know if he's still alive at this point. But, you know, he's been the small, skinny dude for his entire life. And it's, like, some sort of, like, wish fulfillment for him to be, like, a super muscle-bound, like, Mr. Olympia type. And, like, the weirdest part about it was when they get talking about the Masters of the Universe movie from, like, the early 90s. Um, yeah. Saying that Dolph Lundgren was not muscular enough to be... Dolph Lundgren? Yeah. Dolph Lundgren. Dolph yeah. Lundgren. And yeah. like at some point he's just like, like, oh, they they painted those muscles on it. Dolph Lundgren is like, I assure you they did not. You could just tell that they were doing drinking a lot of beer and doing a lot of coke. Um and made millions and millions of dollars. You could transplant Dolph Lundgren into any era as like him from like the time he was like what, like 18 to like 45, and he would like be as like a super like attractive like super like fit star yeah you know? and like oh yeah uh but <laughs> no uh just i'm just trying to man kimberly meets a a a coach for gymnastics it's a world-renowned coach yeah so and she gets yeah trade. so like he's like german vaguely eastern european like what's his name it was like yeah gunther, gunther schmidt or gunther schmidt and yeah. is that a that that sounds like a joke for like something like gutter shit or like some kind of like weird like haha we're making a yeah I'm just like just thinking back to the I am Lugash jokes from um from the Simpsons uh, but yeah because it's like he's like this East German or West German I don't know German gymnastics coach who just like basically plucks Kimberly out of obscurity and is just like what is your because co- she's the best athlete yeah, he's best ever athlete seen. she's ever seen he's ever seen and like you know. How do you not have a coach? I will be your coach. I will train you for the the plan global trials. And like, so like the the most interesting part I find about that entire bit um, is when she goes to like Zordon and the other Rangers about 
training for this. And, you know, at this point, she's already lost her power coin and all that. And she's basically kind of, like, tapping into the grid to get her powers back. Um, mm-hmm. Is, like, he's, like, Zordon's, like, oh, I never meant to deprive you of having, like, life experiences such as this. And it's, like, mm. Yeah. I was, like, I highly doubt that. Um, Just kind of based on the fact that, like, the Power Rangers, and even, like, in that same episode, in the same series of episodes, are kind of just expected to be at, like, Zordon's beck and call and just drop everything they're doing whenever their communicator goes off. And, like, that's fine for, like, someone like Billy, like, who can just be like, hey, guys, um, I know that I didn't go to college, but look at these giant robots. Like, you know, but for the rest of them, I don't know. Yeah. But they're all rich. Yeah, so so it's just like, so when he's just like, oh, I never meant to deprive you of having a normal life. It's like, you kind of have, like, a little bit. Like, yeah, like, what do they do? They do, like, bake sales, and they, like, are Power Rangers. Yeah, they, right? they, don't, they don't really have a chance to be normal teenagers, which, like, I will say something that I appreciated about, like, you know, Power Rangers 2017 and the comic Go-Go Power Rangers um, is it kind of gives the characters more chances to be normal teenagers. So, you know, not just, like, paragons of goodness that are holding bake sales or fundraisers or cleaning up the park or the problems of 2017 aren't with the power rangers like internal lives or like their normal yeah. lives so like and like i will say that like you know like gogo got to that a little bit too was just kind of like you know you have kimberly who's you know in that comic who's dealing with her parents divorce you have um uh, God, I, you have Jason whose dad is sick, and then like um, Billy at one point, he's kind of like Billy and Gogo actually kind of has a similar plot to Kimberly in this particular set of episodes, where like he's interviewing for a prestigious internship that could like help him like basically skip the rest of high school and college, um, and would basically you know give his family all the money they would ever need for the rest of their lives. And he kind of is just like he he so he gets stuck between do I continue being a Power Ranger or do I take this like internship with Promethea and um which spoiler alert for the comics he does ultimately decide to keep being a Power Ranger but like it's a it's a multiple issue arc where he has to be like well what do I do next and then um yeah. I know Trini. She like she actually gets a little bit more character development. And it's a whole thing where she find out she's an army brat and she's never been really used to staying in one place and really like making solid friendships. So like kind of being in the Power Rangers and like developing relationships with them is kind of new to her. Yeah, no, and like I know that like there's a lot of good conversation on her getting more to do and like her and Jason like in the comics that like I know like people really like. I haven't read them. It's like one of those things like something i keep meaning to do but then like when i go to like look for like a chart or like a list or like a here's where to start it's like i it takes just long enough where i'm like i didn't follow through yeah, that makes <laughs> but, sense um i know that we're gonna have to kind of chart out for like some of the stuff in the future especially kind of leading up to um shattered grid and necessary evil and all of the fun arcs they have but i will say um the first i want to say three or four four arcs of um go go power ranger stands pretty well on its own especially if you're using it kind of like as kind of a retelling of the first year that they were power rangers yeah i will say power rangers pink 
stands alone pretty well. And then um, the psychopath, which takes place after uh, Lost Galaxy, um, you know, at, that one's just directly tied with Lost Galaxy. That stands on its own pretty well. And um, there is one coming out later this year called Sins of the Future, which takes place after the kind of the Time Force Jungle Fury stuff. So there are places to in the Boom comics that they're easy to kind of wedge your way into. Yeah, no, like I like just uh, I know they did their whole big like what if Tommy was evil arc, and then like at that point I was like I don't know where to go from here or like where to start yeah, from yeah. here. Yeah, um, yeah. So Tommy comes evil past yeah past evil future Tommy. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, and then there's the whole thing with the Omega Rangers, which tries to explain what really happened at the peace conference or peace conference. Um, there's yeah. a lot to fill in with this weird franchise that was like started trying to like do 20 minute episodes with like three minutes of real footage and then became like a weird multiverse. Which I will that's why I appreciate the comics is that they try to like take something out of like you know what what they managed to do in the TV series. And yeah, um at this point in um where we're Mm -hmm. looking though, um we get like this plot. Rita just wants to sometimes like I forget how like as evil as like the villains are in this Mm -hmm. show they seem to mostly actually care about like ruining the power rangers lives rather than like destroying the earth because like rita's whole plan is i'm gonna make it so kimberly can't follow her dreams by actually having a good plan to take out the power Rangers for once by like like attacking multiple spots because it works um so why not do it yeah it's just like yeah, Rita starts off with grand plans to take over the world, and then it just becomes plans to mess with the Power Rangers. And then, like, and then I remember Zeo and the Machine Empire just wants to take over the world, and then, like, they just shift back to, like, and Turbo having, like, a a, a villain that just wants to mess with the Power Rangers. And that's why I love Diva Talks, but uh, that's just a small tangent for that. Um, yeah, she's definitely a whole vibe yeah. over there. But, uh, but yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, Rita's yeah, Rita's whole thing here is not taking over the world. It's just trying to ruin Kimberly's life and it's just like and it just kind of plays off with this whole like, you know, Kimberly wants to achieve her dream, but she feels like she's torn between the Power Rangers and she's working herself to complete exhaustion. Um to the point she just sort of falls off the balance beam. Yeah, and Catherine's there. She doesn't actually help at all, but it's a good deed and she gets her spell broken. Yeah, because it's like she she remembers what it was like to like, you know, fail on a grand stage and, you know, break bones. Um, and she, yeah, and it's just like, it's just so weird. Because what does I notice that she's like, she fell on mats. Like, at no point do you see her head hit anything. So it's like. She has to like look like she's in trouble, but not actually get yeah, hurt Yeah, and it's like, obviously, you know, she goes and they roll her into the hospital and they're like, we need like a cat scan and like, you know, they're, they're, you know, doctors listing off all these things. They need to like scan her brain. And then like, you know, halfway through the episodes to like, Oh, she's totally fine. She's going to be fine. Yeah. And like, it's just, um, weird too. Is like, I like seeing her get, her get exhausted and stuff, but like, it's just, um, to have her just be fine in the end. Like her parents live in Paris. They can't come help or whatever. And like, also like small stuff where it's like, they have to write Kimberly out of the episode, but then also like the story later. And um, they spent some like good time in the hospital where like people are like worried about her. Uh, uh, but there's like a subplot where like Bulk and Skull think that Gunther is like the spy. So they like 
bring the lieutenant there to spy on him. And there's this moment where they get dropped six stories. Yeah. I don't want a laundry room in any place where people are like in wheelchairs or like there's like children that goes down six yeah. stories. Oh God. And it's just like, it's, it's one of those like pandemic moods of like, don't go down the garbage chute in the hospital. You're going to catch something. Yeah. I wrote one note that I'm trying to figure out why I did. Oh, um, so I wrote Tumblr would die, and I think it's because in this arc, Catherine's wearing like a daisy choker, and I was like, "Huh, <laughs> somebody loves that." Yeah, somebody like has that like put up there for like their Catherine and the Kimberly. Yeah, like and like that's why I said by the end of this episode, I more believe Cat yeah. and Kimberly as a ship than I do Tommy and Ke- uh, not Tommy and Kimberly, Tommy and Cat. Um, yeah, and it's just like yeah, and it's just like the, all the hospital stuff. It's like. If she had just, like, passed out from exhaustion and, like, they just needed to observe her, that would have made more sense. But they try to help set up this whole, like, dramatic thing of her falling and hitting her head. And it's like, this is a little too overblown for what we're dealing with. And these episodes have, like, a lot of weird moments, too, where, like, they're fighting and the fight songs come on, but they have no lyrics. There's just a lot of, like, weird bits of, like, we're trying to, like, reuse parts or have, like, cool cliffhangers or, like, get all we can mm-hmm. out of this. But it's like a three episode arc that like could have been two. Again. Yeah. And it's just like, I yeah, it's one of those things of like, I feel like, no, I agree with you on that. Cause it's just like thinking on it now. It's just like, yeah, you could have easily cut out like an entire episode and maybe like tightened that plot. And it would have just, it would still would have been impactful for Kimberly's departure without really like losing anything. Um, Cause it's like the hospital stuff just felt wholly unnecessary for the most part. Um, because the actual plot is that Ninjor go is like going to be thrown in like the ocean of like sorrow, so they have to like trade off like Cat, but not actually do it. But then she gets like thrown in evil super yeah. jail. Like I feel like if you absolutely needed it to be at the hospital, like maybe have Kimberly be there, like you know, passed out from exhaustion, goes to the emergency room, and like is maybe there for like a scene, and then like but not have her just like everything be based around the hospital, you know. Um, and this whole dramatic is like, oh, is she going to be okay? Um, you know, especially when you have like her wanting to quit. Um, yeah. And I feel like that gets more impactful. She's just like, I literally exhausted myself to the point I passed out and, you know, thought I hit my head. Um, I need to decide what I'm actually going to do. Yeah, no, like there's a way to do this with like lower stakes, but the same stakes about like it being like a weird, like cliffhanger like yeah, it was just yeah but you know i they, i i'm assuming they just had an episode order and they needed to fill it um cat massages her way out of evil super jail <laughs> and finds the pig power coin i had totally forgotten about that it was just like that was so yeah. weird like a uh, cat gets stuck with a lot of weird plots like i said previously like you know the fact that she can train dogs or that she's a really good babysitter or like you know, she was a, a cla- you know, she was like a world champion, like high diver who then becomes a ballerina. And like, uh, yeah. Yeah. She's kind of like treated like Barbie as a way to be like, OK, she has like an Australian accent and blonde hair. And she's like pretty. So how do we make her cooler than Kimberly? Let's like let's give her so many jobs and skills. And it never like really takes off the yeah, same way because it's not like yeah, genuine. It was like that was a big like. You know, we have no problem with Catherine Sutherland, the actress, or even necessarily Cat, the character. 
But it was just like, it just felt like so often that they were just trying to kind of make, uh, they were trying to make Kat the idealized girl and like not yes. a character. And like Kimberly, even sometimes when her character was not very, you know, she like character was plot, you know, paper thin because this is Power Rangers. Like nobody has a really especially strong character unless you're named Tommy. Um <laughs> Even then, Even then, his character is not especially strong, strong. Um, But yeah, I would say Kim. Yeah, Kimberly felt like a character who had like, yeah, she was girly, but she was also like, you know, very tough and determined, and like didn't really, you know, wouldn't take crap from like, you know, any of the the villains. Kimberly benefits a lot from being a character that has like some Valley Girl influence before Buffy or Bring yeah. It On. Because that would have changed a lot, I think. And, like, there would have been a lot of effort. Like, if Power Rangers, like, premiered after that, I think that she definitely would have maybe not been as nuanced a character because of, like, the more, like, pop culture, like, like stereotype, like, role she had to fulfill. Like, here she kind of gets to be, like, somebody who, like, enjoys girly stuff but is, like, good at things still and, like, likes gymnastics. Yeah, I will know? say and kind of, like, when you get kind of in the later Zordon era episodes or later Zordon era seasons, um, especially around the time Buffy was getting popular, like you do see the the girl characters kind of start to become more well-rounded again. Um, because there okay. are a couple of seasons there where like after Cat, like mostly Cat, unfortunately, um, they do kind of get treated as just girl. Um, and that kind of happens to Ashley a little bit and like towards the end of Turbo. Um, but like, you know, kind of starting with in space again, like you kind of, even when there's not a whole lot for them to do, you do feel like Cassie and, um, Cassie and Ashley have distinct personalities and, you know, even going forward with Maya and Kendricks. And so it, it feels like they kind of start wanting to treat them as like, you know, you know, they're not going to be like, you know, have these wholly, uh, like large interior lives, but they start feeling like, you know, actual characters again, besides just a pastiche of like you know the barbie pastiche yeah that's a a like major problem like smurfette problem like sometimes like too which is like oh you're just here to like fulfill this quota or like round out like the cast photos rather than like be a yeah, character and like you know that unfortunately happened a lot with like aisha and then um you know trini i, I like aisha, I, I love though. aisha don't get me wrong um you know, it happened with Trini, it happened with Aisha, it happened with Tanya. Like, they just sort of ended up getting the short end of the stick in terms of, like, character development. And it's weird how they're all not white. Yeah! <laughs> but no. Um, uh, we see um, some more advertising for their new Zords and their new Shark Cycles as they win the day versus a, a like, Broken Dreams garbage monster. And that was like a cop in Cocker Ranger, which is why the top of its head says, um, welcome to Jill house. <laughs> I didn't even like take a close look at that. That's hilarious. Um, I will say, yeah. And she, she ends up going to the pan global games. Um, I, I will say I got, I, I, when I, if we first watched the episode, like I kind of got a little emotional when like kind of gave like Kimberly that, that goodbye speech. Cause again, she was really the only character that really got to have this. And Mighty Morphin. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about, you know, she, you know, she'll always be a ranger and, you know, this is, this is something that's going to help you in the future. And like, you know, and she gets to like 
pass on her powers. And, like, it's as poignant as Power Rangers can, like, manage. Um, but I, I, it's something that I found genuinely kind of emotional was, you know, it was Kimberly getting that proper send off. I mean, the only other person who I feel like they slightly with Turbo, like, care about the characters being set off. But I kind of feel like they, on some level, uh, the Pink Ranger in Lost Galaxy gets some amount of emotional send off. That's like also like real life story in yeah, that too. Yeah, for for Kendricks, it was kind of I think that one was especially more rooted in how they needed to write her off. Um, for people who don't know about that, is that the actress who was playing Kendricks, um, Valerie? I don't remember her last name at this point. You know, she she got leukemia during um, she was diagnosed with leukemia rather during um during production of lost galaxy so they needed to write her off so she could go and get treatment um so they actually killed her off um i mean she she gets better later <laughs> um but she's like a force ghost yeah, she, later she basically becomes a or she like fully yeah, she becomes a force ghost for like the next episode when Corone gets the gets the pink ranger powers and then she she's fully revived by the end of the series and it, okay. The, the ending of like the ending of Lost Galaxy is basically like the ending of Return of the Jedi. Like they end up on a forest planet. There's fireworks that go off. There, it's <laughs> they, they are some Ewoks short of it just being Endor. You know, <laughs> I love the song that Kimberly does her routine to. It's like I'm so alive, and it's like her struggling and everything. Um, and yeah, um, we see her transfer the powers over. Zordon says something though, where he's like. It's okay, Kimberly. You can leave because you'll be a better fighter later. Like, yeah, just fully expecting that she's going to come back. And then, like, she does technically come back in the comics, but in terms of, like, Power Rangers, the TV series, she never comes back. Well, she comes back in the Turbo movie, but that doesn't count. (laughs) And, like, if it wasn't, if it had happened organically, Catherine's a good choice, but it didn't. Like, she was being settled this Mm -hmm. whole time. Mostly for Zeo, though, because, like, there's, like, 12 episodes left of, like, this. And, um, Really briefly, I do want to talk about the last episode we looked at, Rita's oh Pita. This God. one has no Kimberly. It's not a good it is episode. Not. It is a it is straight up a garbage episode. Um Tommy gets a monster and his gets a monster inside of him and it makes him eat junk food. And the kid he's teaching martial arts thinks he's a massive hypocrite for saying to eat healthy. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, what child is gonna care about this? Like it's Danny, that character. Yeah. Oh God. It was just like I just remember one watching it initially with Jay, and we're just like, "Why does this kid care so much? This is this is very. It's just a very dumb thing to be like call your like call your basically your sensei a a, a massive hypocrite and crit and fake over. Like I would say, like you know, maybe if he got caught lying or stealing or like you know sexually harassing somebody. Then that would make more sense, but it's like he's he can't stop eating junk food. That's when you're gonna be like, you're a f- yeah. you're a fake. I can't believe I looked up to you, man. And they just had to use that footage from Sentai of the monster in the tummy, or else it wasn't like worth it. Like they had to use every I single bit they I didn't could. Really, we didn't really need a war monster, but here we are. <laughs> they love war monsters. <laughs> They've had like five of them. There's the pig. There's the lizard. There's the face eating monster. There's, th- yeah, there's this. A, there, there are a there are a decent amount of war monsters on Power Rangers now that I'm really thinking about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, the only reason we watched this episode was Catherine doesn't actually use or get the powers 
at the end of the last episode and I wanted to like see the way that she reacts to them. And I really freaking love how excited she is to like have her like cat ear ninja mode and be like, oh, these powers are cool. And like when she actually like transforms the first time, she's also like, oh, this is like a very like fun thing to be a power ranger. And she's like learning to fight as she goes. She's having fun. She actually like since she's like new gets to be like pretty strong for like a non Tommy power ranger too, where she's like beating the crap out of yeah, people. Yeah, like that was definitely something that was just very genuinely enjoyable is the fact that she's clearly having a really great time being a power ranger. And like, and especially cause like she kind of like, I don't know who the, the, if it was like cat herself or a stunt actress, like very clearly kind of gesturing, like how excited she was. She's the only one that I don't know of the mighty Morphin Rangers. Um, if she had a background in any kind of like gymnastics or like karate or anything. Cause like, I know that, the first six were all like gymnasts and dancers and martial artists and like the same thing, at least with like the second mm-hmm. three. But um, I really don't know for her if she had any background. I'm assuming she must have. Yeah. Uh, though I will say with uh, Johnny Young Bosch is that like one of my favorite like behind the scenes things that Jay told me was that like with him doing his own stunts. That's why like uh, you constantly see like Adam in long sleeves or baggy clothes because he was wearing like kind of like the body armor underneath um oh. kind of just to protect himself during like you know stunt scenes so that's why like adam has like some of the worst fashion choices in um in the series but yeah i'm yeah i'm not certain about that with kathleen sutherland either is that she, if she had any of that sort of background but like so i'm just gonna say whoever was in the suit was very clear yeah. was doing a really great job of emoting how excited cat was to you know get to morph and be a power ranger because they definitely like introduced the ninja forms to be like oh the fact that you could tell that like like these actors are actually doing four flips like in the case of like the pink and blue ranger mm-hmm. example like it's one shot of them just like flipping like nine times like you seeing their mm-hmm. face it probably does like lessen what they can do so it makes sense to like change yeah. things up but like there's also like something lost there where like they never seem as cool as when they're actually like doing flips in like a playground you know um i will say that like it was really funny to see kind of like the ninja costumes and the the tenga tengu costumes come back from the movie because it just sort of just felt like we we bought these for the film like we paid for these we're gonna use them damn it (laughs) and that same thing happens um in turbo where they make these weird like lem monsters then they bring them back in the show and they look terrible oh yeah yeah and then like the the Malagor costume gets reused for yeah. um <laughs> reused in, in space. No, there's somebody that's like like gone through and been like, oh, like this costume that was in this one episode of like Lost Galaxy, actually three costumes from like season two of like Mighty Morphin, like glued together and like repainted. And like that's always really fun. Yeah, and I think they even may have used the the like, Starship Troopers uniforms at one point in Lost Galaxy. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah, they developed. Yeah, they must. Yeah, because right? it's like those. I guess those are just cheap to rent out because they got used on Firefly too. So they should use the Starship Troopers director. For <laughs> oh my god! Like, oh god! Could you just imagine Lost Galaxy by by Paul Verhoeven? Like, oh god! I'm gonna have to tell that to our editor later. He's just gonna he's gonna laugh. <laughs> yeah, I um recast uh, the Red Ranger as just like Willem Dafoe. Oh my god! It's gonna be great. And there was a firefight. Or whatever that line from Boondock Saints was. I haven't watched Boondock Saints since college. Yeah, and that's Rita's yeah. Pita, which is an important episode. We it's 
Yeah, what is it the notes I had on it from when I we originally watched it? Like, this is a magic school bus plot. And it, it's kind of just weirdly fat phobic for no real reason besides, like, we need to promote healthy eating and, like, have Tommy have some sort of conflict with, like, a preteen who thinks he's a fake because he ate junk food. It makes no sense, really. Like, I get anti-junk food, but also, like, it, it does not move anything at all, really. It just kind of happens. It's, like, one of the most just happens. Yeah, and then, like, there's a dumb thing later where, like, in the middle of the episode, where, like, uh, Zordon's like, I can't let Tommy into, like, the command center while he has a monster in him. And I'm like, you was Zed into the command center once. That happened. And I'm just like, yeah, you feel like it would just be easier if you get him to the command center, kind of just let him, like, vomit out the monster and then just kill the monster there. Problem solved. Yeah, but like I said, they get like a comically large like Sunday with a massive fake strawberry yeah, on it. Yeah, sure that, and like a whole banana. Is it? I'm like, that's a waste of good ice cream. Like, I. <laughs> yeah. Um. And that is how the Pink Ranger powers transfer over ten episodes, including more vor than you might <laughs> expect, and lots of plots from Pords that and like the honeymooners like transferred yeah, over. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, because I'm like looking back on it because I, I needed to rewatch it to remember it. And then it was just like afterwards. I'm like, what happened again? Like, that's just not, like that. My brain w- just refuses to process season three because like nothing really happens. It doesn't. And there's lots of like weird ways where it feels like they're trying to like set up the show forever. Be like, oh, we'll change it to like White Ranger power instead of like White Tiger's order or whatever. And just I'm glad they change. But like this whole season just kind of feels like them kicking and screaming. Like to have to change their formula yeah, at all like, in the ways yeah, they that, do, and then it just like it just felt like they're just piling on all the toys that they want to sell because you have the shark cycles, which has a very hilarious like transfer effect, and the, at the end of like a different shade of pink, where it just kind of zoop, just shows yeah, up where it just zoops up through like the pipe or something like that, and then like you have the shark cycles, and then there's like that brief episode where they have like the 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 diamond powers the there's their sparkle powers as it were oh they get like metallic powers for like yeah yeah the, Meta- the metallic ranger powers that's it and then like that barely like goes anywhere before arc, then they're kids yeah then they're kids and then they gotta go find the zeo crystals and then so all the ranger stuff is left up to the alien rangers and which I I genuinely like the alien rangers because they I I'm I'm a little bit of a sucker for like the aliens who don't understand our weird human ways like but... I n- never knew that was a full like mini season that was twelve episodes yeah it's so weird and especially because like their 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 whole thing about needing water does not make any sort of logistical sense because it changes from episode to episode because like there's one episode they're like we need clean water I'm like you literally went through a car wash. In the last episode. <laughs> it's like, why can't you go through the car wash again? Whatever the plot demands, that is what those other rangers need. And that's like one arc I'm really excited to get to when we get to that too. That's like our next one actually. So in two weeks we'll be on that. It's it's a but, fun arc. Yeah. Um fun in the sense of like your your brain will probably melt a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, but, I love um, the alien rangers. I don't really like the Zeo Crystal arc, if that makes sense. <laughs> No, we did talk about like how it's like a tour of like of like very different like racist stories and like oh what's your story about like being in the outback? What's your story about oh like your Native America topic? Please tell us. It's yes, yeah, it's, it's a mess. And they all try to pick up on some of those plot points in Zio and it just becomes a bigger mess. Yeah, because like 
Tommy's falcon spirit or whatever. His yeah. falcon spirit and his half-brother. And, and it's like, who's actually played by his actual, like, Jason David Frank's actual brother, too, which is... Which, like, that would be cool if not for the rest of it. Like, oh, like, you brought, like, your yeah. brother in. and then, like... The, yeah, they were like kind of setting him up to maybe be a ranger, but then that never happened. And like Tommy's brother never gets brought up again because this is Power Rangers. And like, especially the first season, but like it still kind of continues where it just has saved by the bell plots of like stuff happens and these characters are significant for one episode and then are never mentioned again. Speaking of um, one episode, mm-hmm. I-, I think we've done one. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I. Yeah, sorry for rambling so long on some weird tangents, but um <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. That's what we are here for. And I just want to say um thank you so much for coming on and um where can people find you when you're uh, not talking? And actually, for the first time in a while, when you are in other scenarios talking about like Toku. Yeah, so um you can find my podcast with Jay uh, Jay Smith um, at Rangersplain. We are on Twitter and Instagram. We really need to use our Instagram or, but um, you can find us at at Rangersplain. Um, you can find links to all of our um, anywhere we are by Googling Rangersplain. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, basically wherever you'll find your, your fine podcast and wares. Um, we also have a central location at rangersplain.wordpress.com. Um, as for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Miss Kitty F, where I'm usually talking about, um, you know, whatever, you know, sometimes it's Power Rangers, sometimes it's wrestling, um, you know, sometimes it's Star Wars. And so, yeah, that's where you can find me and, and Jay, at some point we'll, we'll get them on here. Uh, their sins to hell on Twitter. Yeah. And I'm really excited for that too, because like, I really want to talk to them about like um Kamen Rider Ryuki and maybe even like Dragonite too because like uh that's a that's a very sticky wicket to get into but it's yeah a lot of fun. I once accidentally bought them a dragon um a Dragon Knight figure instead of Ryuki figure didn't even realize you could find um me on Twitter at James Ford the podcast at Kamen Rider with me Kamen Rider with me.com, and send in emails to podcast at comradesme.com and we would love to get more reviews on itunes we have a a like new bonus episode happening that's leaning towards being between uh surf ninjas or the japanese dub of king of the hill um depending on what gets picked by you but um uh, like a few more reviews there we will start that and um to end our show we have a tradition of just kind of um a psa or like a bad psa like depending on like what our guest feeling could be like a watch Common Rider and don't commit incest. It can be like, uh, <laughs> watch Ultraman and, and like jaywalk. <laughs> so like, what's a lesson or a lesson that you shouldn't learn from this episode? Um, well, with this particular episode and my own beef with Zordon, <laughs> I'm going to say kids don't listen to heads and jars, follow your dreams and don't be constrained by needing to save the universe every five minutes. 